We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Are you a broken vessel, weighted down with discouragement, illness, or perhaps a disability? Well, take heart. Whatever your burden may be, God offers treasures that will transform your life. Hello, dear listeners. You're listening to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. And here are your hosts, Paul and Tabitha Norris. Father's Day. It's interesting how this annual celebration began. Back in 1910, a woman named Sonora Dodd from Spokane, Washington, was sitting in a church service on Mother's Day. As she was listening to a sermon about mothers, she thought about her father. Her mom had died early in life, so she and her five siblings had been brought up by their father. Her father was a Civil War veteran, and according to some accounts, he was also a very godly man. She thought it would be wonderful to have a special day set aside to honor her father and all fathers. She approached government officials, shopkeepers, local churches to drum up support for the idea, and it was a success. Because her father was born in the month of June, Washington State had its first statewide Father's Day in June in 1910. Fifty-six years later, in 1966, Lyndon Johnson signed the proclamation declaring that the third Sunday in June would be set aside as Father's Day, a day when we esteem and pay tribute to our dads. As I'm speaking, my thoughts turn to my own father, who passed away about seven years ago. He was a veteran of the Vietnam War, and he also instilled a deep appreciation and patriotism for this country in me. I inherited my sense of humor and many of the values I hold from him. My dad was and is a pastor. I grew up having a front row seat to ministry, so to speak, just seeing up close and personal the joys and challenges of working with people. No matter how busy life and ministry get, my dad has always been approachable. He's among the most patient and gracious men I know. What words come to mind when you think of your father? Are earthly fathers, you know, whether unpredictable or absent or affectionate and good protectors and providers, can affect how we perceive God? It's important we extract our knowledge of him with exactly what he tells us in the Bible. Among the most precious names we find of God in the Bible is Father. Each time we talk to him in prayer, we often begin with our Heavenly Father. We're reminded he hears and knows and cares. The more time we spend in his word, the more we understand at heart level that our Father in Heaven actually loves us. He's not just taking care of us out of duty. He lavishes out his love and assures us he is always present. Jesus often relayed truth and profound windows into the nature of God through parables. The parable that we commonly call the prodigal son is an excellent picture of a perfect father, a father who's extravagant with his love and mercies. The parable begins by introducing three characters, a father and his two sons. Based on these three characters, we could come up with alternative titles for the story. It could be the parable of the bitter brother or the forgiving father. 
But let's start with the prodigal son. Luke 15 tells us he was the younger of the two sons. Right off the bat, in verse 11, we read, He was a son, even before he went astray. Nowhere in the Bible do we find that God addresses unbelievers as sons. So we're looking at a born-again believer who chose to leave his father's house and live according to the desires of his flesh. He approaches his father and makes an astonishing demand. He wanted his inheritance early, which wasn't supposed to be made available to him until the death of his father. In a society that generally revered parents, this would be a very offensive request. He makes a reckless decision to leave his home, his family, his whole support system to live in a distant land. A fool and his money are soon parted. This son squanders his wealth in wild living, and it isn't long before he finds himself in dire circumstances. Famine strikes. There's no income remaining, no food to eat. He's able to find a job feeding pigs. Even with that low-end work, he continues to starve and sink further in despair. I remember my Muslim students and friends in Southeast Asia with a lot of fondness. There was one afternoon in our English class, we worked on a question and answer session. They had a lot of questions about American culture and foods. One of the questions that came up was about bacon. As soon as the word pig was spoken, four or five of them immediately jumped out of their seats and ran to the window to spit. Islam forbids eating pork. When something is forbidden, they often react toward it with disgust. And that's exactly what those kids did. They dramatically displayed their revulsion for pigs. Following Old Testament tradition, the Jews also regarded pigs as filthy, disgusting animals. The problem for this son, though, was he had no other choice. There was no food, no hope. Not only is he sitting with pigs, he would have gladly eaten their food. Just think about being reduced to that humiliating, miserable level. Wow. But it's here at rock bottom the son comes to his senses. He had not forgotten his sonship and all the privileges he'd had as a son. While he didn't feel worthy of that status, he decides to return to his father and plead for forgiveness in the hopes that at the very least his father might take him back as a servant. To me, the most extraordinary figure in this parable is the prodigal son's father. We can only imagine the hurt he must have felt when his son announced he wanted to leave, and the emotional pain of seeing his son reject the values of his heritage. And yet when he sees his son in the distance, finally returning home, his father's reaction of unconditional welcoming is somewhat surprising. He doesn't cross his arms and wait angrily for his son to arrive. He takes initiative and runs to him. He doesn't prolong the conversation, expecting his son to grovel and plead for forgiveness. He pours out his compassion, embracing him, kissing him. No sooner had the son spoken, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The father brushes that idea aside. He insists the best robe be placed on him, and a ring on his hand, and sandals on his feet. He asks for a fatted calf to be brought out and 
slaughtered in celebration. Have you, dear listener, ever gone through a time where you've felt a deep sense of unworthiness like the prodigal son? Maybe you're bearing a heavy weight of hopelessness because of one wrong choice after another, thinking God doesn't want anything more to do with you? We've talked with Christians who express profound regret for wasted years wandering away from God and the church. It's definitely not an easy place to be. It's a true and sobering thought that certain things in life can't be undone. Wasted time and squandered opportunities can't be regained. And neither can those heavenly rewards that may have been earned during that time. But as sad as that is, it doesn't dismantle the reality that you cannot outfail or outsin God's grace. And it doesn't destroy the reality of joy our God has when fellowship is restored. This parable is one of the many passages in Scripture that assures us as a believer our forgiveness is complete. Even when we may think we've really blown it, we've gone too far in sin. There are no grounds to doubt Jesus' promise of eternal life by faith alone. The Bible makes this very clear. There is nothing you can do to earn eternal life, and absolutely nothing you can do to lose it. Our redemption is complete and finished because of the work of Christ. It's interesting when the older brother returns from his work in the field, he hears the sounds of celebration, and he's far from pleased to discover the party is for his brother. From his perspective, this was not a joyful occasion. In fact, he was angry and refused to go in. And the following words in the book of Luke make it plain. He wasn't really angry with his brother, but with his father for offering him such a lavish welcome. After all, according to his own survey, he had never at any time been disobedient to his father. And because of all his good deeds, he should be the recipient. That could be a potential trap for a lot of us, to look at our years of faithfulness as praiseworthy and quickly forget our numerous failures or even have resentment over the failures of others. As I read about this brother... I can't help but reflect on Christians whose attitudes are far from gracious toward other wayward brothers and sisters in Christ. Sometimes we're quicker to judge than to extend compassion, right? Mm. This is a powerful lesson and strong motivation for us as we interact with believers from all walks of life, with varying backgrounds and opinions, to have love and patience. Set aside pride and love even the unlovable. Rejoice with them as they rejoice. With all the grace of God has lavished on us, we of all people ought to be the most compassionate, forgiving, and gracious people. The same forgiving father who welcomes his prodigal sons and daughters also urges his righteous children to soften their hearts and join the celebration. The parable of the prodigal son concludes with this very appeal. I'm overwhelmed and grateful beyond words that I can call God my father. With all my shortcomings... It's just a relief that he's rescued me. I don't have to live striving for his love, trying to earn it or be worthy of it. I don't have to sweat it, constantly trying to make up for sins and mistakes or wondering if I'm really forgiven. 
He gave me full and complete forgiveness the moment I believed in his son, Jesus Christ. The basis of our once and for all forgiveness and justification is the cross. Sin created a debt to God. Justice needed to be carried out, and Jesus is the debt payer. He is the satisfaction for God's justice. Christ's death for our sins is a payment that is available to all, powerful enough to cover any and all sins. In order for us to stand permanently forgiven, God asked but one thing, believe in Christ alone as our sin bearer. In 1833, the Supreme Court heard the case of the United States versus George Wilson. On May 27, 1830, Wilson and a co-conspirator, James Porter, were convicted of robbing a U.S. postal worker and putting his life in jeopardy. They were sentenced to death. Porter was executed a month after the sentencing, but Wilson managed to escape the sentence. President Andrew Jackson decided to pardon Wilson for the death penalty charge on the understanding that he had yet to be sentenced for other crimes. But get this, for some reason, Wilson waived the pardon. The Supreme Court weighed in on the issue, ruling a pardon is a deed to the validity of which delivery is essential, and delivery is not complete without acceptance. It may then be rejected by the person to whom it is tendered, and if it be rejected, we have discovered no power in a court to force it on him. Wow. In other words, a pardon is not actually a pardon until it's received. Exactly. In the same way, God has extended his pardon, his forgiveness to us through his son. God the Father has made it possible for you and for me to belong to him. When we accept that gift, believing in Jesus, he not only promises eternity with him in heaven, but also to become his children, co-heirs with Jesus. He gives us the privilege of coming into his presence and calling him Father. Martin Luther once addressed a woman who was deeply distressed about her eternal security, wondering if God had truly forgiven her. He offered this advice. We must hold up before our eyes the image of God's dear Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. He must daily be at our hearts the perfect mirror in which we behold how much God loves us and how well in his infinite goodness as a faithful God, he has grandly cared for us in that he gave his dear son for us. Do not let this mirror and throne of grace be torn away from before your eyes. Rather than being chained by past sins and guilt, be conscious of the one who set you free. God's grace and forgiveness are truly amazing. Knowing the truth about God elevates him to a loving father and gives us the confidence to approach his throne of grace for mercy and help. Remember this Father's Day, just how tender and forgiving our Heavenly Father's heart is towards you. Thanks for tuning in today to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. It is our hope and prayer that you will find the grace and goodness of God even in trials. We'd love to hear from you and your feedback is important to us. You can reach out to Paul and Tabitha with comments, questions, or to share an episode with a friend in need through our website at bvhtministries.org.